Hey everybody, it's officially draft season, and we here at Upside Swings couldn't do what we do without Global Shop Solutions ERP software. Simplify your manufacturing by scheduling a demo at globalshopsolutions.com. Thanks again for listening. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings and Media Draft Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Storm Hansen, the wonderful Cooper Klein, and the next in our series of guests here to talk about the New York Knicks. Uh, this is the penultimate episode of the 30 for 30 series we are you know right there right at the end i can see the light at the end of the tunnel now uh and there's no one else we wanted to bring on to talk about the new york mix than the great prez he's at underscore presidente he's one of the foremost uh shop doctors on twitter he is hilarious he's one of my favorite follows i've been on his pod a couple times now and uh, it's good to finally have him on we got to bring on someone different for the knicks every year because there's so many dudes um <laughs> and just shout out to strickland too like he worked for the strickland the Strickland has been like great work for a while, but maybe this is maybe this is just me. But I feel like y'all have really stepped up your work recently. I've been glued to your site constantly, reading a ton of stuff about the Liberty, and uh, you know, very excited to have you on, Press, my friend. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, thank you for the kind words, both about me and the Strickland. Um, yeah, this is a it's a fun time for the website. We got a lot of cool contributors doing cool stuff. We got social media now we'd be on the gram we got patreon you gotta pay for the good stuff now that's how you know we're big time um we got several pods we had uh we just remarkably had our 300th episode with um with Miro of Jesus and Miro which was like bucket list for me as a as a dude from the Bronx so things are going well over at the Strickland not gonna lie <laughs> No, it's been it's been great to follow and and you know I like I followed the Strickland forever. We had Stacy on for our first year doing the Stacy Patton, uh, and you know I just I love y'all's work. Uh, Coop Stone, before we get to into the Knicks, how's it going? Good. Um, just grinding out this final, last, very last stretch. Feels like each day gets longer, um, but we're almost at the end. So I'm excited for the draft to come around. I'm excited to talk Knicks. Um, probably make a lot of people mad in some way or another so uh should be fun and especially excited to talk about uh you know all all the players that don't currently play for the Knicks but were drafted by the Knicks so uh should be should be a good time yeah this is uh you know I somebody will get mad at me even though I'm going to say nice things about virtually every single Nick player on this pod uh but I this is a this is one of my favorite teams in the league for all the wrong reasons, uh, and I'm you know very excited to hop in and talk about uh, a team with no picks this year. So uh, let, let's not right yet, in. not yet, Keep <laughs> not word. yet. We will we will get there. But before we get to the draft and trade ups and and some craziness, let's talk about this next season last year because. It felt like a positive one. Obviously, the signing of Jalen Brunson worked better than I think even most like I think everyone was pretty happy about the Jalen Brunson signing, but he probably exceeded everyone's expectations uh with the work he did. Um uh Julius Randle had like a bounce back year. He was, you know, all NBA good. And then the you know, the year before this year, he looked pretty rough, and then he was really good again. Uh the sporting core all looked good, and, and it felt like everything just kind of clicked. They of course did lose in the playoffs in five games to the heat, but you know, getting to the second round for the Knicks is a pretty big achievement. 
Prez, what's just kind of your general feeling about how last season went for the Knicks and, and where they're going from here? I'm really happy with how the season went. Um, like you alluded to, you didn't really know what you were going to get out of Julius, right? Like lots of Knicks fans wanted him out of there. Some more patient fans were like, give him, give him a chance to get right. And he was hooping for the whole year. Uh, and obviously Brunson, spectacular, turned himself into... It's crazy to me that he's not that he wasn't an all star, but like I'm pretty sure in terms of if you just ask like people around the league, he's basically an all star, like in terms of how good he is. Like the guy, even versus Miami in the playoffs, when like half the Knicks roster or more than half was just crapping their pants, he was like, Nope, 30 points per game, 62 shooting, like whatever, like a like a robot, just even against like Spolstra sorcery zone defenses and whatever. So that is just. Uh, that was great. And then you, you saw steps forward from uh, a lot of the young players. You saw steps back from RJ Barrett, which was probably the only disappointing part of the season. Um, but on the whole, like, like you said, getting to the second round and I know we got, they got us out of there in five games, but like, I don't know. The heat were still frauds to me. I don't care if they got to the finals. I'm happy they got swept. Like if they, it's a credit to them that, and the credit to Spo that he, they're just able to maximize what they have. And, and it was just a combination of like a coaching mismatch and just other players not, you know, the Knicks have a lot of talents, but high field processing is not among them for the most part, except for maybe Jalen. So in that sense, it was very much a mismatch because it was one really smart team versus one not smart team. But second round is the second round, right? And we were considered like maybe gonna make the playoffs in the play-in coming in so i mean i don't want to get too greedy but uh we're at the point now where it also feels a little more sustainable than the last playoff run and 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 exit um versus atlanta where it was like okay julius do some stuff and maybe reggie bullock will help right like like now there's young players who are getting better there's a there's two guys who are shot creators there's a style of basketball, right? It's not just random. Like it's drive, 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 get a zillion offensive rebound. Like there's a style. It may have flaws, but there's an identity. And we didn't really have that before. So I'm really happy with how the season went. And uh, they were able to do all that without really like mortgaging any future stuff. So they still have a lot of flexibility, which is nice. Yeah, and that's something we'll talk about in a second. But you brought up, like, the coaching mismatch. That is the thing I want to ask you about really fast because I know you have some strong opinions on this. How do you feel about Tibbs and kind of where, like, things might be going with him? Obviously, there's also a lot of belief that maybe Johnny Bryant will be kind of the next guy for this team. Just in general, where are you kind of at with um, with the coaching situation here? Tibbs is, you know, I'll start out with giving him props because – he is very reluctant to adjust and about a third or halfway through the season, he began making some adjustments like big ones. Um, They may have adjustments that people were calling for, for a long time that were very predictable, like play Clemens who can play defense instead of Evan Fournier who can't, you know, simple things like that. And then less simple things like, uh, you know, in, in his defensive scheme, he had like our weak side people really aggressively, help off the corner even more than most teams. So we would just get killed from like opposite side three pointers and 
so he kind of relaxed that scheme and let people not like trusted. He trusted the players a little bit more. Not that we were some defensive juggernaut. I think we were like 19th in D rating or something, but he, he did enough tweaks and adjustments in the style and the rosters to really propel us from like mid to like, not a legit team, but somewhere between mid and legit. And, uh, and that was unexpected. So like you, you love to see that. That being said, I, I think we are definitely nearing the end of the Tibbs cycle, if you will, that begins with buy-in, play hard, people get their roles designated, master their roles. And now we're at the point where it's like, okay, guys can do other things other than the roles you've designated because players get better, believe it or not. And, you know, you can also adjust to the team in front of you. You don't always have to be stubborn or whatever like and and we saw the ultimate version of that in the playoffs where he immediately retreated to his comfort zone of like i love josh hart so i'm going to play josh hart but i love rj barrett so i'm also going to play them together and ignore that quentin grimes playing with rj barrett and Jalen brunson was the key to like a spectacular starting lineup for two-thirds of the season in like a thousand minutes or whatever so um it'll be interesting to see what happens next year? Because the Knicks and Tibbs make most of their changes between seasons, not during the season. Because, and this is more like my kind of gut more than based in real fact, but like they're a really analytically based team. They have probably the biggest analytics staff. Every year you see their shot profile change for the better. Um, you saw Julius cut out the long mid ranges. You saw the crazy... Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, like these are two of the guys who lead the league and or are among the league leaders in box outs and offensive rebounds every year. So they targeted those guys. They targeted guys who can shoot floaters so that Mitch, who's the best floater rebounder in the NBA, which is like the most random stat of all time, could take advantage of that. But it actually worked. It's like it's a grift, right? It's like a exploiting loopholes, basically, or or trends. And it's really nerdy. Like, I don't think the Knicks people view the Knicks as like, oh, the team of analytics nerds and nerdy ball or whatever. But that's really what they are. So it'll be interesting to see what they cook up with. And of course, you know, like any team, we might see roster changes along along with that. So it'll I don't know. We'll see. Like, I think Tibbs is he definitely will probably have the whole of next year and unless something very surprising happens, we'll probably be all right. So if they ever fire him, it would not be because he like is losing a bunch of games. It would be because of some like playoff loss or, or something like that. So I don't know when future Knicks coach, Johnny Bryant or Knicks head coach, I should say is going to start his tenure. No, I, I find that, I find that really interesting. And this is a team where like, you know, I'll be honest. I did not like the tips hire when it happened. I think Tibbs still does have his warts, but yeah. I would say the year they had last year is, is fairly undeniable. Uh, and then kind of figuring out things, even in the playoffs, like, yes, they lost to the heat, but also like, you know, Mitchell Robinson was the best big in a series against Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Like that matters. And, and I think some of that can go to Tibbs. I kind of want to talk about the, the quote unquote main core of this team. And that's Julius Randall, Jalen Brunson, I'll throw RJ Barrett in there. And then I'll ask you if you would also throw Mitchell Robinson <laughs> in there. 
what just kind of do you think about that general core? What do you think their upside is and and how can the Knicks look to best maximize that core? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, I think Jalen is like the core of the core now. I would be very I'm sure they're like taking phone calls out of courtesy because you get calls. Everybody gets calls about everybody like Thunder got calls about James, Russ and KD back in the day. So like people are going to be calling about Brunson. But in terms of like genuine discussions, I think aside from Brunson, nobody is untouchable. Um, I think that they're probably higher on Julius remaining upside than Knicks fans generally are just because like, you know, he had such a great season and he's improved on different things and he still has between like basketball improvements and mentality, mental health improvements. There's still a lot left in the tank for him. Um, That's a lot harder to project. Like, Oh, is he going to, be able to fucking relax and just not like spaz out on Emmanuel quickly at halftime or, you know, like is he going to be able to get together in the playoffs mentally, right? Like that kind of stuff is harder to project. But if you think about it, there's kind of two schools of thought. One is like, you can move off him, trade him for not trading low, but likely the bulk of your, whatever is going to be draft compensation, maybe not a ton, but like, you're not going to get, some other all NBA player for Julius Randle because he's at the bottom of that uh that totem pole, so to speak. So you would have to kind of bank shot like, okay, if we're trying to win now, we have to trade him for stuff and then turn stuff into a player. And is that player going to be Julius Randle? You you would assume not. So it would have to be some kind of like addition by subtraction, like oh maybe we could get a floor spacer who makes things easier for Jalen and whoever else is left and like. that's all very reasonable to me. I just think there's also a reasonableness to just working him to get right. And like, we don't know how bad the ankle surgery was. So he got ankle surgery after the playoffs and we know he was playing through it. So it wasn't like the end of the world, but as somebody who has way too much personal, unfortunate experience with ankle surgeries, like that stuff can be no joke. Um, So who knows if that impacted him in the playoffs um, you wish it didn't impact his like mentality because he was out there lollygagging straight up, which I don't know if you could blame that on a hurt ankle. Um, because if it hurts so much that you're lollygagging, you should probably get off the court. So, um, I, I kind of see both sides with Julius. So, is he part of the core? Maybe I don't think he's part of like the long, long term core, but I think he's part of the short term core. And then as for RJ, I don't think RJ is part of the core. I think he's probably going to get traded. Um, not not because he's bad per se. He had a very bad season, but he's he has real upside and he's 22. It's just, I don't think the Knicks can wait to find, to wait. I think the Knicks timeline is faster than RJ's timeline at this point. So it behooves the Knicks to explore trading him because there might be a rebuilding team that's like, hey, we have time for RJ who can, you know, drive 15 times a game which is in itself like pretty rare skill like among other things even with all his faults so um and he's on like he's getting money but he's not like a max player or something so the way the cba is going and all that it's probably like a decent it's not cheap but it's not you know he's not breaking your team's payroll either as far as upside play goes 
you know, that's a decent one. So I don't know. Our core is for a team that's in decent shape. Our core is actually extremely like mutable right now, which is kind of weird. <laughs> I, I find what you said about Barrett really interesting because that was not what I expected. And when we had Chris Persianen on last year, he was the exact opposite of you. He was saying that RJ Barrett, will, and obviously things have changed since then, but he was saying RJ Barrett is like one of one in this core and everyone else is, is secondary to that. And he, well, that uh, shows you how bad art, like I can't understate, like there are certain things with RJ season that I'm like, okay, like he might, people sometimes get worse. Maybe your shooting variants, uh, you shoot three is a little bit worse, but like, I could deal with shooting variants, even though he had way, like he was just a bad shooter straight up. But it was just the defense. That was the thing that I think killed people like me and Chris, who were very optimistic about RJ. Because like, all right, you're not shooting. Driving is great. But like, if you're not spacing the floor, like you damn sure better be playing defense. And this guy was a turnstile. He was getting cooked by everybody. Like all the archetypes of player were cooking him for like the entire season and his defensive ceiling was never that high to begin with. Right. Because he's not a stocks guy. He's not super athletic. He's not some like seize the play two rotations ahead type of defender. You just kind of hope he's in the right place at the right time and being big and jacked in the right place at the right time. But if he's not doing that, he's a legitimately terrible defender. So like, it's hard to make that up on the other end, man, unless you're literally Jalen Brunson. So I, like... I think <laughs> I, I think that's always been my disconnect with RJ. I was really low on RJ coming into the year. I thought he was a pretty bad pick at, or pretty bad pick at three when they took him, you know, however long ago that was. Um, Who'd you was... want? Out of curiosity. I don't want to go on a tangent, but <laughs> um well, I probably don't. I was too cowardly smarter. to pick Darius. I would have said I. I probably would have advocated for Cam Reddish. Um, so <laughs> it's not like I did much better. Not <laughs> not gonna lie, but you know, I I I can't remember exactly what my board, what my 2018 board looked like. But in general, where I'm at with with Barrett is just that I don't know what he does at like threshold enough to be a starter because he's always sort of been to me theoretically good at some things but never mm-hmm. actually going back to mom bird like oh yeah the also like it feels like the big sell with rj barrett for his whole career is just that he's kind of a motherfucker and like that's like his whole <laughs> thing is that yeah he's this number one recruit but also like he just really cares and he works really hard and great but at a certain point like he's super stiff he's not that athletic he's kind of like if he was like six nine he could maybe be like a really good wing defender but he's kind of more like six 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 seven not super long arms and he's not laterally quick enough to guard guards so he has to guard threes but he'll give up height to some threes or strength to other three like there's just not a ton that really like stands out to me as great if he's not hitting shots and he, he wasn't hitting shots this year so and, and we'll talk about trades in a minute i don't want to get too bogged down in that right now because this is what Coop was most excited to talk about. I do kind of want to talk about the young studs on this team because there are some interesting ones. So obviously Emmanuel quickly has kind of him and Quentin Grimes have cemented themselves as like the top young guys on this team, the most interesting long-term um, you know, and, and even short-term, like both those guys were really good this year. Did quickly win six man of the year or was he just like in the, no, ring? he got robbed by the Boston mafia of ESPN <laughs> and the ringer to loser Malcolm Brogdon. 
Oh, that's uh, that's a shame. Uh, Emmanuel quickly greatest floater shooter of all time. Uh, Quentin Grimes, of course, has been like, a, I would say kind of a surprise. Like I, I don't think I was alone in thinking that he was kind of a questionable pick at twenty five, but has come along a lot. Obviously, Deuce McBride is someone we love. I will and- rent you a luxurious Airbnb on Grimes Island, which I have owned wholesale since that draft. Coop, I believe Coop had Deuce <laughs> McBride at 12, so I don't know if you have him beat. I um, had him at nine. It was completely irrational. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, so, so You're the only I, person in history to like Deuce McBride more than I did. Yeah, like, that is insane. I was, like, ridiculously, like, <laughs> I was the craziest person on the planet for that, and you had me beat. So uh, and that's yeah, not even congrats. to mention that's not even to mention Obi Toppin, who was the highest pick out of all these guys. Prez, just what do you think of this sort of you know quote unquote second tier? Obviously, there's not like a superstar here, but do you feel like I mean, is there a chance there's like you know three to four legit starting caliber guys here? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think people are gonna look back on these kids and yeah, especially with the way the new CBA is like they're all gonna get like twenty million or close if not more than that at some point there's like no doubt in my mind even obi who's like been in the weirdest worst most like unfortunate situation you know mismatch of skills talents coaching circumstance luck you name it he's probably just gonna go like if indiana were to go start obi Toppin next year and just play him in like a minimal defense upbeat tyrese halliburton orchestrated offense this guy would score like 24 points per game on like 65 ts with like minimal effort like john collins style except more cool and less lame than john collins so like you know like what is that worth i don't know but and he's the worst of the bunch right like well maybe he's probably better than deuce right now so far until deuce gets the uh deuce just needs a little more uh he just needs a little more courage. That's what he needs. He's a he's a very cautious player, which is partially because of how this team operates with Tibbs. Um, so he he's really more of a three and D wing who happens to be short for us, and he's just kind of cool doing that because we don't allow for much role player improvising on the Knicks like we do on like other teams around the league do. I want to say really uh, fast. I just put yeah. together in my head that Deuce played for Huggy Bear and then had to go play for Tibbs. That sucks for him. I, his poor knees must be in so much pain. Um, no, but it, sorry, uh, go ahead. That just it just popped in my head that I'm like Fo- I completely forgot that he played football and hockey. he played high school football like all of high school. How is he and, alive? How, what's he doing? <laughs> he missed like uh, like most of his senior high school year because of football actually, um, which maybe is a blessing in disguise, right? Because that's less mileage from hoops and football while you're recovering, but. Yeah, I don't know how he's the dude's a tank. He's a little tank. He's awesome. I love Deuce. Um, and you know, he's at the bottom of this group, but he's like he carved out a role from for himself that wasn't guaranteed, right? Like they eventually took Fournier out of the rotation. They took Derek Rose out of the rotation. There were times where Jalen was hurt, quickly had to step up, and then Deuce stepped into Quickly's role. Well, not his role, but he stepped into the bench guard spot. And, you know, he when he when he got more playing time, it's not like he was like, oh, time for me to run the offense. No, he just did do stuff, but more of it. So it's like, oh, I'm just going to make life miserable for the other team for instead of nine minutes for 19 minutes. Right. Like 
stuff like that. And and you would literally turn games like his plus minus him and Quickly's plus minus stats over the last two years are they just look made up. They're they're just insanely high because um a combination of like lineup weirdness, especially not this year, but last year. And um and just because two way players who don't make mistakes are just gonna be high impact, high impact metric guys, right? Like these guys don't turn it over much. They both are great, legitimately great defenders in different ways. Um, once Deuce's shot started coming around, then forget it. Like he's he's short, but he's he might as well be six four, like a six four, like a good six four three and D plus wing because he's assist turnover ratio since like high school and college has always been like through the roof because he can make passes without making turnovers. Um, and quickly is the same way. The guy's like leaps and bounds, the best off ball defender on the Knicks, probably one of the best off ball defending guards in the league and no slouch on ball either, especially considering he's only six, three, um, although he got long ass arms. So, I mean, these guys, like these guys, the Knicks have a type, right? And I just, I just did a piece trying to figure out using like cataloging who the Knicks have picked and thought about picking in the last couple of years, who might they pick in this class? And they have a type and the short version of it is like guys who can pull up guys who can defend and are dogs and who have really high advanced metrics for their, uh, their collegiate seasons or whatever. And you look at, like I was looking at deuces, College like BPM, his defensive BPM was five, was over five. The only players who have defensive BPMs above five in college are centers and like deuce. That's it. So, like, I mean, everybody remembers him like ripping Cade or whatever and just taking it coast to coast. Like, the guy is a he's a beast at what he does. And the fact that quickly and Grimes and Jalen Brunson are in front of him in the depth chart just kind of sucks for him, right? Cause he could totally do more, but those three guys are even better. So I don't know. I don't know. They're all going to make a lot of money. I don't know if they'll all stay together on the Knicks, but at some point someone's going to pay them. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and let's talk about the draft a little bit because we mentioned, we hinted at it earlier, not yet. The Knicks technically don't have a draft pick, but I think there are a lot of options for them to trade up. And, and the place I want to start, and this is definitely a long shot, but it is pick three. <laughs> it'd be Julius Randall. It'd be, they have like a billion future first. Um, I was looking through their stuff. You know, they have picks yeah, from picks. <laughs> picks from the, the Mavericks picks from the Bucks picks from the Pistons, their own picks. Like they have a lot of future picks, a lot of capital will look to move up. You could maybe see like Quentin or Emmanuel thrown into a trade for pick three. Prez, do you think there's any chance they make a run at pick three and, and, if so, like, who would you be targeting at that pick? Yeah, I don't think they will just because, um, like I mentioned, I think they're high, all things considered, on Julius Randle. I, I don't. I think they very much do not take for granted that this guy was an all NBA player twice in two years. I mean, twice in three years. And as amazing as the guys they could take as at three are, like, None of them are going to be an all NBA player next year. That's just how it is. It doesn't matter how fucking good they are. Like Wemby might not be an all NBA player and he's Wemby. So like, I mean, the fact that we can't rule that out is just insane, but like he, he probably won't be. So for that alone, the Knicks are just so laser focused on like the timeline they have that I can't see them uh, 
tweaking that even if if i am portland even if portland probably is calling and saying like hey like you know they're trying to judge what who's the best win now player they could get with the third pick with simons with sharp whatever so is that randall maybe i don't know is it rand if it's randall plus stuff they probably could get a deal done if they wanted to but yeah i don't think they would do it if they did magically do it though i mean i got scoot second on my board if he was there i would take him um i do have him second in the same tier as you know the other guys that everybody has right after that like the twins i shouldn't say everybody but like the twins and and cam and and then brandon miller after that um but for me just thinking about the knicks i would probably i mean the twins don't really i would probably i i kind of have a crush on cam whitmore like i'm i think i'm higher on him than most people i have him three on my thing and he would definitely fit into the if you think about it he kind of is nixie right because he's like athletic he goes hard but he doesn't always know what he's doing he can shoot <laughs> and well he's not he's not old which is the other Knicks draft pick thing so i I guess that would be very counter to what they've done he would actually they, they have not drafted an 18 year old since rj barrett so um <laughs> Brandon Miller's fucking old though, so they could draft him at three. Brandon Miller is very Nixy um in terms of his uh his ability to shoot. They love shooters and uh they love pull-up shooters and they love older prospects. Um but I guess in this in this hypothetical, like Randall's out, so there are more minutes at the four. So maybe they do go with someone like Miller or whatever. But like the t- the twins are basically like as big as Miller anyway, so like whatever. Um I would probably go with Cam, gun to my head, and then one of the twins if Scoot was not there. Yeah, no, I I think that's fair. And, and uh, I do love the Cam Whitmore can shoot take. Absolutely. Uh, here for the for the Preds shooting takes. Let's talk <laughs> about some other trade-in targets because they could probably get into a lot of places in the draft. You mentioned you think they're, you know, looking to move up for draft picks. So, Prez, where do you think, like, what are some realistic ranges for trade-ups? And then who are some guys you'd be looking to target? So I'll answer your question with a question for y'all, which is like, one. there's two ways they can trade in pretty much. One is the boring way, which is like, hey, team that's picking 29th, we'll give you like four second rounders, right? Because the Knicks have a zillion second rounders. Um, the other way is trading Obi Toppin, who they, if I had to bet, they'd probably do because he has one year left in New York and as long as Julius Randle's a Nick, he's kind of locked into that bench role. And you're already selling him for less than you could because you can't display his skills. Um, so I guess my question for y'all is like, I know people are in different places regarding Obi. Um, he's not a good defender, but he's not, at least to me, he's not nearly as bad as I thought he was going to be. I was really low on him, but he's figured out how to kind of just be large and in the right place most of the time and he's randomly really good at like anytime somebody tries to like cross tween has he jump shot on him i'm like yes just go ahead because with his as long as you don't make him backpedal you're fine but as soon as you make him backpedal he's screwed but everybody's like oh he's big i'm gonna try and slow i'm gonna try to shoot over him and it never works so he you know he's he's still a player but i guess my question for y'all is what do you think is the best pick they could get for Obi Toppin, just Obi Toppin by himself. The best pick is probably twenty six to the to Indiana. That's probably the best one. 
I don't know that I would do that, but right. I, I think that's probably about the best they could get. Um, Indiana probably does not want to roster a ton of rookies. I'm guessing the trade would be something like, you know, top in and top top in for 26 and some, you know, salary filler like an Aaron Neesmith or uh, there's probably someone crappier on that team who I'm forgetting. Neesmith was actually fine last year. Yeah, but... you're going to offend Pacers Twitter, man. <laughs> Pacers Twitter does not move me, so we're just, they're not Knicks Twitter. It's, it's uh, just Mark and Caitlin. That's it. That's all of them. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I think um, I that's probably the highest I think they could get. I, I don't know that there's any other realistic targets higher than that for just Obi. I think if you were willing to throw in, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say Emmanuel quickly, but, you know, if you were willing to throw in a, a quickly or if you were willing to throw in maybe a Hartenstein, um you could maybe get to I'm blanking on the draft order right now, but you, I would guess you could probably get to like 18, uh, you know, one of those teams. You could like, get to the Lakers probably. Yeah. Lakers. Lakers if you get Lakers, a, a rotation he, player. Lakers, I mean, if the Warriors. Knicks threw quickly into the availability, then they would get some offers, <laughs> but well, Hardenstein like is, is yeah. a, is an interesting one. Cause you know, we have two centers and they're like Hartenstein was signed to a two year deal. So I've always kind of wondered like, is a Hartenstein trade inevitable in his last year since Mitch is our guy and Hartenstein's amazing and a starting caliber center in his own right. But like, unless you're going to pay him more, cause he's going to get a raise, then he's going to be traded eventually. So I could, I could see something like that. I, and I, I, think, I, think, yeah. oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think there's a few picks in that sort of range too. Like Brooklyn has mm-hmm. two in the twenties. I think you can see them maybe trade one of them away for someone like a top in or something. If they wanted to keep that sort of timeline going um, Portland, if they didn't want to pick in the first at all, maybe that they, they view a guy like Toppin as more, you know, win now type uh, in Sacramento. I think there's an option there for them to go and, and try and just play big um, and put do lineups with like Keegan at the three and Toppin at the four. Like I, I could see any of those teams in like the, earlier 20s taking a shot on something like that too if the Knicks wanted to get back into that sort of range I think the Lakers one actually makes a lot of sense if you include Hartenstein just because I think um the Lakers could really use that with Bomba and uh you know Bomba included going back but let's talk about targets we kind of you know if, if they could get into that 18 to 26 range somewhere in there who are some guys you really like Prez uh that's a good one. And to echo what y'all said, like it, it's even like, I mean, you all know how this class is, right? Like that tier basically extends into the early second round. Like anybody who we might think is going to go 25th, it would probably be not unusual for them to go like 31st, for example. And I look at the last three picks, right? The Jazz, the Pacers and the Clippers, like those are all probably for sale for the right price as well. So I think there's a lot of, flexibility in which pick they could get and because this draft is kind of deep in that like second or third tier depending on how you define it there's a lot of players who you can look at um i guess i'm gonna answer your question with another question and be very very annoying so where are y'all at in terms of the i don't want to say debate but the discussion on if you draft a player they need minutes to develop, not in the G League, but real minutes. Not real minutes, like 30 minutes a game or something like that, but like you need to be getting like 
you know, like 14, 15, 16, maybe 20 minutes a game. I wouldn't I say like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I don't think that's that's very fair. Uh, I think there's a lot of development that happens off the court, you know, mm-hmm. and even in the G League, you know, like what's what's more important playing, you know, the fourth fiddle, fifth fiddle on offense for 10 minutes a game or just like having reads thrown at you, you know, 600 times a game in the G League. <laughs> Uh, you know, even if that's not exactly your role, I think it's a lot easier to scale back from something like that. Right. And like, Hey, I can figure out how to fit in next to other guys for a few minutes a game later when I actually show that I can play basketball at a high level. Right. (laughs) Because especially for a team like the Knicks, like if you're not contributing, you're not playing. Right. You know, like if you, if you're not, and most rookies aren't going to be able to contribute actual minutes especially like especially early on there's a few guys in this class who i really think could uh and you know we can talk about those but i i, do, I just don't think most of the rookies that they would want to target are going to be like actual pluses that should get minutes over a deuce or should get minutes like even like behind heart or or q right like they're they're especially just just for this team specifically like there's it's fine to sh- you know shove a first round pick down to the g league and just let him dick around and, and, and figure shit out. You know, it's, I, I don't think that's unfair at all. I think it kind of depends what type of player, like, like not another cop-out answer, but it depends on the situation is kind of my, uh, my go-to here. Like certain players need certain types of reps. And I think we've seen the Knicks succeed, like not playing rookies a ton, you know, and, and, and getting stuff out of that. I think Deuce took a pretty big step from his, uh, you know, rookie to sophomore season, despite not really playing that much in either um I, I i think that stuff like it helps a young guy to play but it also helps a young guy to be around like like i think peyton watson is probably better for being on the nuggets this year and experiencing what that team did than he would have been if he had been drafted by you know i don't know the pistons or whatever mm-hmm. like i just think that it it kind of depends but i i think the knicks at least for me right now, I've kind of proven that they're pretty solid at developing guys, or at the very least that they're good at drafting guys who they think can develop here. Okay. I find myself agreeing with both of y'all and I kind of flip flop a little bit. Like on the one hand, I think different teams, some teams use the G League well and some teams don't. And it's good for developing in certain ways. Like Deuce is a great example of what what y'all articulated. Like at West Virginia, they didn't run no pick and roll heavy offense. He didn't run like any pick and rolls in West Virginia. And he shot like a zillion mid-range shots. Like 40% of his shots were middies. And the Knicks don't allow middies to anybody who's not Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle. Unless they're floaters, which Deuce also doesn't shoot. So they told him, go down there as a rookie with Jericho Sims and run 900 pick and rolls. Work on the reads. And he got really good at it. And he doesn't, it's annoying that he doesn't really get to do that that much in the NBA Knicks, but he definitely developed down there. That being said, I think, I don't know. It just feels like there haven't been many, and maybe this is kind of a self-fulfilling thing where like obviously better players play more quicker, right? But like it, it feels like there haven't been many players who go down there, develop, and then come back ready suddenly. And uh, I, I feel like this is something that fascinates me because there's just so much talent in the league right now that – it's kind of inevitable that some of these players are going to have to hoop in the G League and therefore some of the teams are going to have to 
be intentional about how they use the G League team. So since this is a a very deep divey pod, you know, Draft Strickland is more like, oh, casual Knicks fans tuning in to see who we might get, who might be the next manual quickly, right? Like, I'm not going to go into like, well, how do you feel about developmental philosophy on Draft Strickland? So um, I, I was curious what y'all think. And I think how the Knicks view that will dictate who they like, because you could get, you could in theory get someone like Derek Whitehead, right? Who I know people are in different places on him, but the Knicks need shooting. They need guys who are taller than six foot five because all of their guards that we've been talking about are really good. And RJ might be on the way out and Obi might be on the way out. So you pretty much need bench wing. So there might be some bench wing minutes. And like, why can't Derek come, come in, you know, give effort on defense and spot up and space the floor, right? Like he might get lost a couple times, but so do most guys his age. So like, is that, is that okay? Probably not the end of the world. Like Tibbs would have you think. So if we were in the front office, we'd probably be a little bit more open to that. But if the past is any indication, they are not messing with that philosophy of uh, learn on the job. Um, You will learn in practice and that's it for the Knicks for the most part. So I don't know. I've been thinking about the players who are a little bit more ready to do stuff among that like 20 to 30 group. And, you know, I mean, your mileage may vary, but like you got guys like, uh, shoot, I don't know, like Max Lewis, who's like, eh, is he ready on defense? I don't know, but I know he can spot up right now and be tall and finish. Coop nodding his head in disagreement. I have no idea what to think of Max. He's really hard for me to evaluate. Um, Derek, I mentioned. Um, shoot, I don't like Chris Murray. A lot of Knicks fans like Chris Murray. Um, Pozemski, but he probably played himself out of the range of the Knicks. I love Strother. Um, that's my guy. I think he can come in and do the damn thing. He might space out a little bit, but for the most part, he's going to give you effort threes and floaters, which is like half of the Knicks offense right there. So uh, I think that would be a good fit. Um, I think Clowney would be a great fit if they had patience, which as I mentioned, I don't think they do, but like what they wanted Obi to do, right? Provide help defense, take corner threes and run in transition and get dunks. Like he's good at all of those things right now even though he has his other flaws and your baseline for defense for OB is not that high. So like, I don't know. I feel like he would be a great pick, but again, goes against their kind of ethos. I think the the ignite kids would be great city and, and Leonard, but I mean, those guys would probably be the first bad shooters that the Knicks picked in some time. Um, Obi's probably the worst shooter they picked and, he was more of a didn't take threes guy rather than actually a bad shooter per se. So he did shoot 40% that, that year he left. Yeah. For the, yeah, yeah. He, he made the threes he took. He definitely had a, like a, I don't know. His three point rate was pretty low, but he, he did the thing. Like he had some corner threes and stuff and his form was like mostly fine. It's not like he has some like janky busted shot. Um, I feel like I'm missing a lot of people. Um, I can jump in real fast with, with yeah. a couple more to throw your way. Um, you did mention Chris Murray. I also would not like him here, but he does kind of seem to fit that Knicks like ethos of of stack guys. And you know, he's a good shooter. He is six seven. See, just, I don't think he, I don't think he's a good shooter. <laughs> I don't think he's a great shooter. I think he can hit 
shots. He but he can't really hit pull ups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Seth Lundy might be worth a mention here. Um, mm-hmm. He'd probably be more towards the back end, but I could honestly see him say, say they like traded Obi to the Jazz straight up for twenty eight. Like, sure, I could see Lundy being an option at twenty eight. I, I think that's a realistic possibility. I think if they got a little more ambitious and maybe tried to package RJ for like a mid to late lottery pick, that's where I could maybe see like uh like like a you mentioned Leonard Miller. Like, could they get Leonard Miller at like? you know, 15, 16, something like that. I think this would be a really great Bryce Sensabaugh spot because I know you're a Bryce guy as well. I was trying to contain myself. Because he's yes. such a because he's such a Presbate guy. Um he's he'd be really good here. I like maybe some positional worry because he's like six five, six six and not like six seven, six eight, but who cares? Like he's so good. It doesn't matter. Um and they just last... need shooting. Like he's such a like the fact that they love pull-up shooting and he's just kind of chilling there in the back of the draft as the best pull-up shooter is kind of stunning, but he would absolutely give Tibbs like a hundred aneurysms in one season just from, he's just, he's just kind of like behind the curve in defense. And it's not even like a, like sometimes it's an effort thing, but a lot of the times with him, it's, he literally just doesn't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, he he's the kind of guy you could send down to the G League and be like, score thirty a game and learn how to play defense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely. I think that's that's kind of a, a path for him. Uh, and then the last guy I'll mention here that I think is probably worth at least some look. And this is a weird one. This is probably more of like if they bought into like like the thirties or forties uh, is Nikos Rodkavopoulos, uh, who plays um, in Turkey. He's Greek. Uh, I think he is like you talked about pull up shooting. The Knicks seem to have a thing occasionally for taking uh, stash guys and, and um, you know, betting on them to develop. And I think Nikos is probably the best bet at that in this class for me. Um, so he's the other guy I have. Coop Stone, are there any guys stand out to you that you'd be interested in the Knicks potentially trading up for? Uh, well, obligatory Colby Jones mention. Uh, ah, I knew have, I forgot someone. We we have to mention <laughs> Colby Jones on every single podcast we do here just to piss off Bryce. But uh, no, I, I, I you know, solidly switchy, can shoot, can like do stuff that coaches want, want him to do at the very least. And, uh, you know, Tibbs will love that. He, you know, he's only like 6'5", but I, he's really strong. I think he's tough enough to like play up a little bit. Um, other guys at like different slots i mean honestly to me that this is kind of one of the like bigger like skilled players or is kind of a, a weakness here in this draft i mean there is like jet howard but he's not very nixy i would say uh you know he can really shoot the ball and really handle but what else is he gonna do and i, I think his defense would give tom thibodeau a heart attack uh, jet howard is such press bait though I mean, he, he is, is because he because is. the handle is crazy. But like, can, can can you imagine him having to guard a second side pick and roll and and just like getting destroyed and then riding the bench for the next thirty minutes? Like that would be awful. A little uh, a little tangent, by the way. If anyone who listens to this doesn't ball press, you should. But literally, anytime I see like some dope handle move, I immediately think like I got to tweet this and tag press. Like every time TJ Bomba hits some like 
crazy move. I probably tagged you like four or five times in TJ Bomba highlights. You were probably like, who the fuck is this guy? But like anytime I see that, like anyone hit like some crazy ankle breaker, I'm like, I got to tag Prez. It's too good. Listeners, tag me in all ankle breakers and hezzies that you see in amateur basketball. It doesn't even have to be American basketball, man. I, this is this is my favorite thing. And it's definitely my uh, my biggest blind spot when it comes to the draft is just, you know, it's not everything in the NBA. Unfortunately, we're long past the days of Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams being viable archetypes of six man of the year candidates and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, one guy who I've been toying around with as very Nixy, um, and this depends if the Knicks solution to like, say they trade Obi, if their solution to the backup power forward spot is through the draft versus through free agency, if it's through the draft, then somebody who kind of would be amazing is Kobe Brown, right? Where are y'all at on him? I know he's like 44 years old or whatever, but like, he's pretty good. The whole fucking back end of the draft this year is so old because NIL is keeping dudes in college. So like I struggle to hold age against certain guys. I think for me, Prez, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I don't know that he can, like, I don't know if he's really like that as a shooter. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. he can shoot, but, like, I don't know if, like, he shot, like, 44% this year. The form doesn't look all that good to me. I think whenever he's having to take anything other than a right to left, you know, step in, it looks really bad. Um, His misses are bad. I just, I don't don't know. Where are you at with his shot? Um, I'm optimistic, but from the in the sense that like, yeah, he's not going to, you don't want him taking off movement or um, really off the dribble, but like Obi Toppin threes, right? Like stationary Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett spent 40 minutes just battering the paint. The other team is like, they don't pass. We're just going to leave the corner open because they're never going to hit the corner. And then we randomly pass like once or twice in the fourth quarter, (laughs) like, I think he'll be good at those kind of threes. Um, I like his form so long as he doesn't have to do anything crazy to get into it, like you mentioned. Um, is he a forty? Is he Kyle Korver? No, but like I think he's gonna be a a pretty solid spot up shooter. And then just the ancillary stuff is kind of what fascinates me. Like he, he's, you know, we we mentioned the Knicks have a lot of talent, but not the best passing team right Quentin Grimes is very good at a certain kind of pass quickly is good at certain kinds of passes but they're not really like making different reads like if they have a couple of reads they're really good at and if you ask them to do other stuff they're gonna be like I don't know how to do that I'm gonna just take a floater instead so Kobe Brown though he this guy is like posting and toasting and like randomly like whipping kickouts like over his shoulder and like cross-court passes and all types of stuff like that and um, that was one of the reasons why, uh, not that Hart is some high feel, like make all the reads kind of guy, but his reads are different, right? So you have like different Knicks who are good at different kind of reads. And we don't really have have that from a tall person off the bench. Like Obi is a great connective passer, but he never got a chance to do that because Tibbs just pigeonholed him. This and he never got to do short rolling. Slander, by the way, this counts well, as Tibbs, Harden's day Tibbs didn't even let Hardenstein do like handoffs or short roll stuff until literally like a month before the playoffs. His assist percentage for most of the year was literally like equal to Mitchell Robinson's, which is insane. This man had a 20% 
assist percentage on the Clippers, higher than a lot of guards. And Tibbs was like, no, no passing, just offensive <laughs> rebounds. And dude, Tibbs is a war criminal. That I, is I think like the, the is ultimate insane. Tibbs it's, player. It's to crazy, me, bro. The, the <laughs> ultimate Tibbs player to me in this draft is Jordan Walsh. Like, I think he's just the get after it on defense guy, can do some connective passing offensively. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, no shot at all. But I, I think that like he's absolutely the, the, quintessential Tibbs made like tailor-made type prospect there's he's, nothing nothing he's real tipsy, there. but he's yeah. not nixy that's the problem yeah Tibbs like, would be like yes give me give me my new age ronnie brewer do all day whatever <laughs> but the knicks would be like uh you can't come into a gym and hit 80 out of 100 jumpers please exit <laughs> i think someone closer to that and i don't think stone likes this guy as much as me but julian phillips i think is a little closer to that he was a good shooter at Link. Like, he did not look good playing for Tennessee this year, but he was a good shooter at Link. I think... Yo, what happened? I, I was I was reading some stuff about that from... um, uh, God, why am I blanking on his name? Um, the Vecini's co-host, Boxing One. Uh, I, I just, honestly, I just feel like Spinella. sometimes... Rick yes, Vanilla. Is... He, he, he did a video comp of, like, his shooting in high school and his shooting here, and I was like, it was so beautiful. What... what... What did we do here? He brought the elbow too far in. Like, it's almost like, like, because in high school, the elbow was good, but it was like maybe a little out. And it was kind of, there was a little bit of pronation there. And then when you watch him shoot at Tennessee, it's like way in, I feel like. And it's, it looks uncomfortable. I think sometimes Rick Barnes is just on some fuck shit. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I don't know what he's cooking half the time. Like, sometimes you think Jaden Springer, like, post ups every position. Like, I just, I, RIP Jaden Springer. I don't care how young he still is. He's, he's younger than Brandon Miller, I'm pretty sure. So, just to be, just to be, uh, he's definitely younger than Kobe Brown. (laughs) So, that's, so, so what I'm getting at with Phillips is that I think he can shoot. I think he can be a good defender. He's simple. My worry with Kobe Brown is that because Tibbs is so, you just mentioned Hartenstein, who was like, a top five passing big in the league, like never yeah. passed until the end of the season. Like is Kobe yeah. Brown just going to be like a corner spotter? And he's not, he's not good enough defensively to just be like a three and D wing. He has to be that like mm-hmm. connector type. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's why if I'm like, if I'm being more creative with like deeper second round picks, UDFA guys, you mentioned Kyle Corver. Every time I hear that name, I got to bring up Andrew Funk because uh, he rules. Like he, he <laughs> he's old as shit, but like he, he I, I don't know if you've watched him at all, Prez, but, like, watch him and tell me that his jumper does not look just like Kyle Corver's. It, like, nah, blew my mind. It looked just like He's a great shooter, and he's, like, I don't know. Like, if he was a little taller, I think they might be into it. And we know they don't hate older players, but I don't This is I've been thinking about this with Kobe Brown as well. Like, there's is there an upper limit here? Like, Obi was the oldest player, but, like, this guy's OB stats in college were like breaking computers. So everybody else was more 20, 21 years old. So old, but not like 23, like like Funk or or Kobe Brown or whatever. So, I mean, if, if they're okay with him being that old, then, I mean, like you said, the, the shot speaks for itself. <laughs> I think they might have to get you. I, I think the whole league might have to get used to be okay with guys that old because like once I'm getting past like, you know, around 50 in my draft range, there's not a ton of like guys who are actually good at basketball and young, like because NIL keeps dudes in college longer. It just does. Like there's so many guys who are going back to college for next year that would be, you know, 
entering to play pro because that's how they could make money. But because they're going to get paid fucking, you know, uh, how, however much next season, 300K to play basketball at, at uh, Creighton or whatever, they're not, they're staying. So I just think like teams are going to have to get okay with playing, with, with getting old guys. And I think we might get to this point where we're in the, we're, you know, in UDFA and once the top 10 to 15 UDFA guys go, it's like, well, it's either sophomores from the G League, overseas guys, or we got to give two ways to these 23-year-old college players. It's just how it's going to have to go, I think. Um, well, well, that's why you've seen the Knicks, you know, like it's frustrating for Knicks fans and especially Knicks fans who like draft stuff that they traded out last year and they very well could just not have a pick this year. If they are like, I don't think they're going to, if they don't, if there's nobody who meets their criteria wherever they pick, or wherever they could pick, I don't think they feel obligated to just take somebody for low salary or just to have a, a developmental project. I think they're because they took in in the IQ draft because they took more players in in those couple of drafts, right? Like in two drafts, they brought in like five players. All of them are good. Um, only four of them are here in America with Rokas over overseas, but like that gave them a little bit of leeway in terms of like you don't you can argue that you don't need. I think it's probably dancing with the devil to skip on two drafts in terms of like, it's just such a valuable tool to make gambles on upside that I don't think they should ignore that. But like it, to your point, like if you're, especially if you're looking for guys who could come in and play 10 minutes a game, like even though this draft is deep, even the guys we're discussing, right? Like Bryce is great, but he's, he's going to make mistakes on defense. So is that a non-starter for the Knicks? Probably. Should it be? Probably not. <laughs> but that's the way it is, man. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I guess some of the question there then too is like, is that tenable? Is that a tenable way to build a team? Never taking young guys being completely obsessed with like playing this mm-hmm. this type of style. Like, do you think that's a tenable existence for a team like this? I don't. I think you fall in you have the risk of doing it's like with the what the uh Mavs did for a zillion years, right? Like before Luca, before they got blessed. So um I, I don't, but I think what you'll see, and I don't know if it'll be this summer or next summer, but like they the Knicks, like I said, the Knicks aren't gonna have five role players making 20 million each. Like there's gonna be a consolidation trade, and then there's probably gonna be another consolidation trade, right? Like this is this is how the, the it's it's not re, they're not really hiding the ball from the league like they didn't draft some potential top ten player their plan is to just like draft good players consolidate get some key free agent things capitalize on that Jalen Brunson they signed a max player for like twenty million like just just take, keep taking these kind of weird non draft steps forward and then once you consolidate then you have more roster spots and then that's when all these picks that they have come in handy because they can they can use them or they can include them in future consolidation chase and they can kind of get some cheap rookies in. It's just particularly, it hurts my soul this year because this draft is so deep. And I was just, I mean, it was different when like we were maybe going to get the Mavs pick before they shamelessly, you know, defiled their ancestors with whatever they did at the end of the season. So, um now that we don't have a pick, it's like, okay, if you're talking late first, then I could see why it's harder than if this was the 11th pick. Um, but I would really, 
I would really like them to just get someone in there. And and I think they will. If you put a gun to my head, like I think they just because Obi is going out and they'll probably try to do some other roster upgrades with more players going out than in. Like it might not be some 25 minute role, but you could get somebody in there to be like a a bench spark as they develop. No, I, I think that's absolutely fair. We've named a lot of good names uh, who could potentially do that. And and that kind of you kind of started to do it there. And, and and I just we like to wrap this up with asking our guests kind of the best and worst case. What would you say, Prez, is the worst case scenario for the Knicks this offseason? Oh, that's a tough one. Um I mean, the most dangerous things a team can do in the offseason is spend assets on ill-advised moves right like affirmative i'm spending money to do things that might get worse so like i for example want nothing to do with carl anthony towns i don't want to be like i don't care if it's a bargain deal like i just don't want to waste the assets on carl anthony towns i don't think it's i think there are other teams where it might make sense to gamble on the things that are shaky about him and the things that are awesome about him i just don't think this is that team so I think something like that, a player, and if you ask 10 different people who who are who are those dangerous players, you'll get 10 different answers or five different answers. So, you know, I like for I'll I'll just say it, like I wouldn't mind the Knicks trading for Zach Levine. I think he was playing in a really weird situation and still was really good. And I think playing in a more structure than the weirdness of Chicago uh would be pretty good for him. And playing for a good point guard for the first time in, like, I don't know, since he was playing with, like, prime Jeff Teague out here or whatever. <laughs> like, hey, sorry, with sorry, AL, sorry, Kobe White, sorry, Lonzo. Like, that ain't it. DeMar was basically the point guard. So, like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't mind something like that. But there's a lot of those trades where, especially, you know how Knicks fans are. They're, like, got mad we didn't trade for DeJounte Murray, who's a good player. But, like, damn, can we relax? Like. Just let Jalen Brunson cook, bro. <laughs> well, that that does, like, I mean, there are a lot of names. You even brought one up, like, DeMar could probably fall into that, like, not a great trade. Sure. Like, consolidation. Like, I, and I think specifically it would revolve around trading, like, Brunson, or not Brunson, excuse me, Barrett and multiple first and probably some right. of your young players, like, quickly for one of these guys. So, I'm with right, you. The like, cost matters. Yeah. Like, like, if you could just, like, sign Cap for, like, whatever his contract is, then it'd be okay. But when you're considering that, hey, you have to trade, you mm-hmm. know, Barrett, Mitchell Robinson quickly and three first, all of a sudden it's like pretty easy to gawk at that and get worried. And, and you know, if it's lesser for someone like Levine, it gets easier to stomach. But there are a lot of like sneaky bad contracts in the league, mm-hmm. like good players, but because of the way the max has kind of worked, mm-hmm. they're on. Ba- and we've started to see some of them come to fruition. I mean, Ben Simmons is like almost too extreme an example to bring up with any seriousness, but like, I I don't think anyone was like, oh, the the Sixers shouldn't have signed him to that contract. But one thing goes wrong, or a couple things go wrong, or even if he stayed healthy, like, is he really like that like super max player? Like, it's hard to say. And 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 then you have these guys on crazy huge contracts with you know, limited upside at best. So I definitely get what you're saying there. Um, but we like to end positive. What's like your your best case scenario for them? What would make you go into next season thinking the highest you could possibly think of the Knicks? Bright sense about New York Knicks. I'm only half kidding. Um, if they traded Obi, 
got a player I like, specifically me, which is what happened in the Deuce Quentin draft. Like they were like, oh, let's just take all of Prez's favorite players. And everybody was like, man, what did the Knicks just do? And I was like, uh, listen to Prez somehow for some reason. Um, and then I don't know. I like to go back to RJ. I really do think like for some reason, for some people, the best thing would be moving off Randall because it's just such a he's just so mercurial despite his talent that some people can't deal with that. And I understand that. But for me, like let RJ go somewhere that is on RJ's timeline and get someone who's on our timeline or some assets that we can use to get someone on our timeline. Um, And my hope is that like, you know, like I said, a lot of these players like Levine or whoever you like, they're going to cost stuff. And, how is someone like RJ valued throughout the league? I don't know. Some teams might be like, this guy's analytics stink. We don't want him. He's a bum. Maybe Toronto's like, ah, we're about to reset. We don't know what we're doing. Let's get a Canadian, right? Like who knows how different teams are operating. Um, But see what's out there. If he can, if you can include him to kind of take a bulk of that, like, here's what we're giving you, right? Like the answer to the question, what, what are we getting for giving away star this guy or star that guy? That way you have to give less picks, for example. Um, something like that would probably be pretty cool. And aside from that, like, just just get the band back together, right? Yeah, I would weep tears if one of Quentin Grimes, Deuce, or IQ was traded. Um, they're so good, and they have so much more to offer. Um, and aside from that, I mean, I'm assuming Mitch is going to stay just because him and iHeart, I, well, I think both of them will stay because they're so integral to this weird, like, analytic grifter offense that we run that I think the the house of cards kind of collapses if you take them out, despite the talents of everyone else, because the Knicks aren't an efficient shooting team, right? Like, they rely on the math to win possessions, rebounds, Mitch and iHeart shooting like 60%, whatever. Um, so I kind of want to run this weird offense back, but with some better shooters and kind of see where that goes. Yeah, I think that's a great breakdown, and and this team is is an interesting one to watch. Um, of course, I I am steeped in Nick's Twitter, despite never having been to the East Coast. Um, but somehow, everyone who follows me, it, it feels like is a Knicks fan in one way You're or another. Welcome. And uh, no, I love it. I I, <laughs> I can't help but I mean, I mentioned like at the top of this, like the reason we've had three Knicks guys on in three years is because we love too many Knicks people, and we got to give them all some love and. Uh, again, I can't recommend the Strickland enough. Everything will be re- linked down below, but Prez, let the people hear it from your mouth. Just give yourself a plug. Uh, you can find me at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Um, we got some cool stuff uh, on tap at the Strickland, the Strick.land for the stretch run here. Um, we have... I've I've submitted it for editing. The most fun article that I get to write every year, the disrespectful comparisons article, which is a uh, uh went it, like semi-viral last year. It's and... a staple of mine. Like I I I I don't read a ton of draft work to be honest. It's just like something I tend to struggle to make time for, but I always le- read the disrespectful comparisons. It's it's yeah. top of my list every year. There this is I won't name names. I won't name names, but there were other draft writers who get paid to write about the draft who attempted to make funny draft comparisons as part of their published mocks. Unfortunately, these people were not funny, so it didn't work as well. 
So that's when I knew I made it. Unfortunately, that's when I also began feeling pressure to be funny for the first time in my life. So we'll see what's going to happen. Um, but no, jokes aside, it'll uh, that should come out, I think, on draft day or the day before. And last year we did 17 players. And this year, I think I did 30. So uh, it's going to get wild out there. So be on the lookout round. for that. <laughs> no, I can't wait. And, uh, you know, no one, no, no one can get in there like, like their funny bag, like someone with uh, an anime PFP. Like, I'm not going to lie. I've never watched a single anime in my life. I have no idea who's in your PFP. But anytime I see an anime PFP and they're writing something about basketball, I know I'm about to bust over laughing. That shit kills me. That's because you know a person with an anime PFP who writes about basketball, like there's like a 95% chance they spend a not insignificant amount of time just shit posting on the internet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Uh, again, I really recommend Prez. Really recommend the Strickland. Not just for Prez's work, but for everyone's work. Um, Pod Strickland is still my favorite uh, podcast name of all time. Uh, shout out to all the guys over there. And and everything will be linked down below. So just go click some stuff and, and it'll take you right to it. Really recommend their Liberty coverage as well. Been trying to get more into the WNBA a little bit. Um, I'm a little bit behind because I'm so into draft stuff right now. But once the draft stuff is over, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be all in it. So this has been great. Again, thanks to Prez for Coop at Ali underscore Coop underscore Coop for Sonar Port underscore Court. I'm at Bryce Cedric fourteen. You give us like, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Check out the website and uh, get some scouting reports. Get a breakdown of the Knicks, all that fun stuff. Uh, you have a workout tracker too if you want to see the Knicks worked out. Uh, you know we have whoever they've reported they've worked out on there. So check all that stuff out. This has been the Upside Swings to be a draft podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. We'd once again like to thank the people at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Simplify your manufacturing and schedule a demo today at GlobalShopSolutions.com. Thanks again for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again for listening. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.